Good morning. Let's find our place. Stand together as we worship the Lord through song this morning. Singing out a great anthem. I sing the mighty power of God. Let's start by singing out this truth this morning. Sing it out together. I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies. I sing the wisdom that ordained the sun to rule the day. The moon shines full at his command, and all the stars obey. I sing the goodness of the Lord that filled the earth with food. He formed the creatures with his word, and then pronounced them good. Lord, how thy wonders are displayed wherever I turn my eye. If I survey the ground I tread or gaze upon the sky, there's not a plant or flower below but makes thy glory smoke and clouds arise and tempests flow by order from thy throne while all that borrows fly from thee is ever in thy care and everywhere that man can be thou God our presence there Amen. Great singing. You can be seated. Thank you for joining us for worship today at First Baptist Church of Wixom. Here are a few upcoming events to help you stay connected. The new adult Sunday school quarter begins on September 10th. We hope you will participate. There are a variety of options for adults. The normal adult Sunday school class that meets in the auditorium will be available. Anyone who is new and or would like to learn more about FBC can be a part of the starting points class in the cafe. The Young Adult C4 class, ages 18 to 30, will meet in room 403. We'll have our first module class that will meet from September 10th to October 22nd. There will be a ladies' Sunday school class led by Angie Jacobs and Laura Martin in room 405, and a Goodreads for Believers class led by Holden Mortar and Johnny Martin in room 402. If you have any other questions about these classes, please see Pastor Brad or Johnny Martin after worship today. A few times each year, we have a special lunch for everyone that is new to FBC Wixom. If you are new here, please plan to stay after the worship gathering today for a light lunch and fellowship with church leaders and others who are new to our church. We hope you can make it for lunch today. Community groups continue tonight at 6 p.m. If you are not yet connected with the Sunday evening community group, please visit fbcwixom.org forward slash community groups for more information. Community groups meet in homes almost every Sunday night at 6 p.m. In just a few minutes, we'll be dismissing children four years to the third grade out the back of the auditorium to our junior church ministry. While there, they will enjoy a great time as they sing songs, play games, and hear a message from God's Word prepared just for them. 
giving is one of the many ways we had to worship the Lord. If you'd like to give financially, you can utilize the giving box in the back of the auditorium, or you can give online at fbcwixom.org and click on the tab at the top of the page. Let the little children come to me. Don't forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Operation Christmas Child is a way for the little children to come to Almighty God. That is the best gift of all, is becoming part of God's family. The mission of Operation Christmas Child never changes. Children are coming to Jesus. Children are being discipled. And children are taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. These children are brave and bold, not afraid, and they're not ashamed of the gospel. They're trained and equipped to go out and share their faith with others. And many times in areas where it's an unreached people group, the Bible tells us the time is now. Let them come, Jesus said. Let them come. And they're coming. They're coming by the millions. Every single box represents the life of a young boy, a young girl, who will be touched by the gospel. Jesus has come to give them light, that they do not need to be in the darkness, that they have hope, that they have joy. And it is our prayer that this glorious light of the gospel will flow among the nations and will fill our land with the knowledge of the glory of God. The Lord God Almighty desires to fulfill His redemptive plan for mankind in and through each of us and all of us. All of us are children of God. We share this incredible opportunity to take the gospel truly to the ends of the earth by gathering children to Jesus. I believe this year for Operation Christmas Child, this may be the most important year, most important opportunity that we'll ever have to reach the children in the name of Jesus Christ. Pray that God will use these shoebox gifts to make a difference in the children's life for eternity. If this is your first time at FBC, we would love to connect with you. If you'd like more info about FBC, prayer, or to learn how you can get involved, you can fill out a connections card online at fbcwixom.org forward slash connect. Also, make sure to stop by the Welcome Center for a special gift on your way out after the service. Once again, thank you for joining us for worship today. Now we invite you to worship the Lord through song as we prepare to hear from God's word this morning. Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you today. That shoebox collection for Operation Christmas Child begins in just a couple of weeks, and more details will be coming out to you with a special announcement here in a little bit. And uh, so prepare for that if you would. A couple other things I just want to mention. Uh, you saw the modular Sunday school class on the video, and I just want to highlight that again for you. So that begins on September the 10th, and there are many, many options in addition to the 
auditorium class, the C4 class, which now is up to 30 years of age if you'd like to participate. The E3 classes, which begins with starting points. If you're new here, that's where everybody who's new should go is the starting points class. But in addition to that, there's these two modular classes that last for seven weeks, the ladies class and the Goodreads for believers. There's actually five modulars on the calendar. Each one is seven weeks long. And uh, there's several classes that are planned. I think many of them will be a great blessing to our church family. And we'll keep you informed along the way. But these begin on the 10th with the ladies class and Goodreads for believers. Secondly, I wanted to talk briefly this morning about community groups. And we mention these all of the time, but not all of our church participates. And I just want you to understand the importance of community group for our church and for the spiritual health of the body. This is a very important conversation that happens every Sunday night in homes. And essentially what we do is we take the word of God that we've learned in the morning and apply it more specifically and more intentionally to our lives in the evening. And we encourage one another and edify one another to not just hear the word, but like Jesus said, to do the word. That's what happens on Sunday nights. It happens in six different locations right now. You can see four groups meeting in the Wixom area, one in Livonia, one west of Brighton. Um, If you have questions about these, you can see any of the leadership team, Holden Mortar particularly, can share details with you about community groups. And we just want to make sure everybody knows you're invited If you're having a hard time maybe connecting, making friends, growing in your faith, any of those things, community group is the place to do all of that, and we hope that you'll uh, plan to participate with us. Community groups meet tonight. This is the final night of this quarter. Next Sunday, there are no evening gatherings, no community groups next Sunday. Um, And then the following Sunday, the 10th again, that's the same Sunday that the modular Sunday school classes begin. On the 10th, we'll be having a church-wide lunch in the gymnasium and going right from there to our community groups, which will meet here in the building. If you've been thinking about community group and you're wondering about it, it's a perfect time to engage with community groups and and pray about becoming part of one. That would be on September the 10th. We hope you'll stay for lunch and then for the community groups that follow. As was mentioned in the video, also the new here luncheon today, just want to make sure you understand if you've If you're new, if you feel new at First Baptist of Wixom and you've never been to a new here luncheon, that meal is prepared for you here today. And we hope that after the morning worship time, you'll join us in the cafe off the gymnasium for a brief lunch. There's no agenda other than just fellowship with church leaders. We'd love to get to know you better and to serve you lunch today. It's a blessing for us to have our missionaries, Tim and Kim Melton, with us This morning, always great to hear from our missionaries and get an update on their work. And uh, Tim, if you would come at this time and just share what the Lord's been doing in your ministry in Japan. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate your uh, inviting us to be here this morning. And I hope this works here. haven't tried it out, but hey, well, let me try to get this going again. pushing play but it's not connecting did it before (laughs) during the between Sunday school well they might do you have that clicker let me see real quick 
might be a little bit far, so we'll just do it from back there. <laughs> Thank you. thought I could do this, but uh, uh, we are the Meltons from Nagoya, Japan. Your missionaries there. My wife's here with me uh, today, and uh, we have a little table set up outside. If you want to stop by afterwards to uh, give us a greeting and uh, pick up a prayer card, we'd appreciate it. Uh, we've been supported by this church for almost 20 years now, and we really appreciate your prayer and your financial support for our ministry. We have a ministry update page, uh, com. So if you'd like to keep up with us, uh, you could go there. But uh, Japan seems to be much, have much in common with what Paul's described the Athenians in Acts chapter 17. And so today we want to think about that. Um, who were the people that Paul proclaimed the gospel to? Uh, first of all, Paul said that it is a land of idolatry. He said the holy given to idolatry. But Japan is a country wholly given to idolatry. Uh, how many gods do you think there are in Japan? Well, Japan says they call themselves the land of 8 million gods. It's not because there's 8 million gods. There's many, many more. But the word 8 million in Japanese stands for countless. You know, in English, we'd probably say billions or something like that. You know, but uh, so they say 8 million to count for countless. So there's countless gods in Japan. Uh, it's estimated that there are about 80,000 Buddhist temples and about as many Shinto shrines throughout Japan. Uh, Japanese participate in Buddhism and Shintoism as well, even though they're two different religions. Buddhism, of course, they worship statues of Buddha. You'll see statues of Buddha everywhere in Japan, some big, some small, some uh, made out of concrete, some made out of gold, uh, different things. And so then also they worship these idols, roadside idols called jizo, and they're everywhere in Japan, all over the place. And people will stop and clap their hands and bow and pray for safety and traveling and things like that. And then in their homes, they have what they call Butsudan, which is a Buddhist god shelf. And uh, they will open this god shelf, and it's usually ornate. And, and uh, they will light some incense and stick it in the sand. And they'll pray to their ancestors, you know, dear grandma, help me to whatever, you know, they, or, or their gods or things like that. And uh, so devout Buddhists will do that every day. Uh, Japan also is a land of Shinto. Shinto is the Japanese national religion, so uh, that is created in Japan. It's a Japanese uh, religion. And Shinto is involved in emperor worship and things like that. And the way you can tell a Shinto shrine from a Buddhist temple is the Shinto shrine always has a rope with the lightning-shaped papers that you'll see throughout. And that indicates that it's a Shinto shrine and not a Buddhist temple. Uh, they worship demons, and their gods are all fierce-looking gods. Uh, they fear their gods more than anything. They're trying to appease their gods. They have big uh, Shinto shrines, uh, some national Shinto shrines. Uh, when you go to Shinto Shrine, you usually go through a tori, which is a gateway. And uh, that, if you see a gateway like that, it's a Shinto Shrine, not a Buddhist temple. And uh, then they have smaller shrines uh, throughout the communities and things like that. And then most businesses in Japan have a Shinto Shrine somewhere on the premises. And usually once a year, a Shinto priest will come by and do a ceremony of, of you know, blessing and, and warding off evil and things like that. And all the employees are supposed to go and bow. You know, if you're a Christian, that poses a big problem. Uh, and then many uh, Japanese homes have a Shinto shrine. And they're always up near the ceiling, whether it be in business or a home, a little shrine like this. And so they not only participate in Buddhism, but also Shintoism. But Paul's b- burden in Acts chapter 17 for the people that were deceived about the truth of God was that he convinced them of the truth. And so Acts chapter 17 verse 16 says, Therefore disputed he... So we're going to look at what kind of people Paul witnessed to. First of all, he witnessed to nationals. It says, therefore, uh, disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews. 
And so we have a, a, a um, service for the nationals, Japanese. Our morning, uh, Sunday morning service is in Japanese. And so we minister to the Japanese people. And uh, God has blessed us with uh, more people than we have had in the past. It's very difficult in Japan and slow. But we've been there for uh, over 20 years now. So uh, God has given us fruit for our ministry there. We also have a ladies' Bible study. Uh, the first Saturday every month is the ladies' Bible study. And the ladies will come and... Uh, study the Bible, and then after, of course, after the Bible lesson, they have, you know, partake of snacks and sit around in fellowship for sometimes hours, but, uh, and then we have a, also a men's fellowship, but the men, you got to give them breakfast first, <laughs> so we lure them in with breakfast, you know, <laughs> come to breakfast, and then, then we uh, sit around and study the Bible and have a time of prayer and things like that afterwards, and so uh, God has blessed us. Men's ministries in Japan are very, very uh, small usually and rare, and God has really blessed us uh, with our men's ministry there. Uh, we've had several new members join. Right before I left, we had four new members uh, join, and uh, Japan is a land of formality, so you always have to give a certificate of everything, you know, a certificate of membership. And Some of them have two because they got baptized, and then they joined, so they got a baptismal certificate and then a membership certificate, you know. So, but God has blessed us with uh, several members. And then also Paul witnessed to not only nationals, to foreigners uh, and with the devout persons. Uh, some translations say um, God-fearing uh, Gentiles. And so we have an English church also. Our, our Sunday afternoon service is in English, and we minister to uh, foreigners who are there uh, and that speak English, like the Filipinos, Malaysians, Indonesians, Ca- Canadians, Americans, whatever, whoever comes. And so we have our English service uh, in the afternoon for English-speaking people who are there. And then once a month, the fourth Sunday of the month, we have a combined service. We'll have uh, all the, the English church and the Japanese church both come together, and we'll have a bilingual service. And uh, I'll preach in Japanese and say one sentence in Japanese, say another sentence in English, and translate for myself and preach that way. And uh, people love to come and fellowship. And then afterwards, we'll have a potluck meal. That's the fourth Sunday of every month we have a potluck meal. Everybody brings food from their country, and we put it all together, and uh, they love to eat. <laughs> We're a Baptist church after all, so... Um, and they get together and have a good time of fellowship. And uh, We started this um, ladies first because in Japan uh, it's a male-dominant society, so the men go first, and if there's anything left over, the ladies get it. You know, but So we said, no, no, the Bible said it's better to give than to receive, and so uh, the ladies go first, and the men don't, you know, they're standing there, they don't like it. But <laughs> when we first got it, you know, the, we're, the ladies were taking 10 minutes to get through, you know, and we said, so we started saying, ladies first for two minutes, you know, and then I'll say, one minute, ladies. <laughs> so they'll zoom up there and get it so the men don't have to wait that long. But uh, we have a good time of fellowship there that, that Sunday. We have a co-workers, the Leones. They're volunteer missionaries. Uh, they, John teaches English, and uh, he's done me works. And uh, they've been at our ministry about eight years now helping. And uh, every time we go on furlough, they take our place. Uh, John is uh, American, and he's done me Japanese. But uh, they met at they both came to Bob Jones University, met, and got married, and they've been back helping us for about eight years now. Uh, John will preach in English. He does speak a little Japanese, but he's not very proficient, you know, as he doesn't have enough confidence to speak Japanese. So he'll uh, preach in English, and Hitomi, his wife, will translate for him. And uh, pray for Hitomi. She just, uh, she's battling uh, breast cancer right now. She uh, they had some several months of chemotherapy, and then she had surgery, and then she's going to have some more chemotherapy. So hopefully that'll take care of it, but they faithfully translating and, and working in the ministry there, even during her, her uh, time of uh, sickness. So pray for them, if you would, the Leonis. 
But not only Paul did witness to the nationals and the foreigners, he also witnessed to anybody who he met uh, and uh, in the marketplace daily with them uh, that met with him. And whoever he came across, he would witness to them. And so uh, it's been difficult these last few years with uh, COVID and things like that. Uh, they just lifted the mask mandate like a month before I came back. Yeah, I came back in April. And uh, so everybody has been closed up and shut up. It was very difficult to try to meet new people. But we do it through teaching English, and uh, we have friend parties. Uh, we have outreach activities and things like that. And so we witness to everybody we can meet. Uh, and then you also witness to those who wanted to know uh, to certain philosophers. And uh, most Japanese don't really want to know, but we try to help them to be uh, curious about the gospel we proclaim the gospel clearly by preaching, through teaching. Uh, we write tracts and uh, translate tracts and get them printed and pass them out. And we have camp ministries. And we have special meetings and like that to reach the people there. And then Paul also witnessed to those who indulged the flesh, uh, the Epicureans, if you know anything about them. Uh, they thought that pleasure was the highest you know, good, and so they were indulged themselves. But he also witnessed to those who denied the flesh, the Stoics. Uh, they said pleasure is not good, and so... <laughs> But Japanese are kind of a mixture of both. Uh, outwardly, they seem to be you know, moral, kind, ethical, family-oriented people. But behind the facade, they're very different people. Uh, Japanese what, have what they call, they call them, themselves, they call it honne and tatemai. Honne is your true face, what you really feel, what you really think about. But then you have to have a tatemai, which is a public face. And your public face always has to be pleasant. So even if you hate somebody, go, hello, how are you? Good to see you. I hate that person, you know. But your public face always has to be pleasant. And so they don't always, uh, they're not always honest like, uh, like, they, like they should be. But, uh, so Japanese people are generally, you know, stoic Epicureans. They're self-disciplined hedonists. Um, for example, socially, uh, there's estimated about 37,000 what they call love hotels across Japan where you can rent a room by the hour and sin you know, discreetly. Religiously, Japan has, has been called uh, the most uh, religious atheistic country in the world uh, because in mass, uh, on mass, they faithfully participate in their religious uh, activities and rituals and things, but they don't have a personal understanding or belief. Most of them just do it because they're Japanese and that's what Japanese do. Okay? And then also he witnessed to those who thought he was uh, spouting nonsense. And some do that even today. And some are saying, what, what does this babbler say? And so most Japanese don't take seriously a religious statement as to the truth. Uh, they're just like, mm, whatever. That's their attitude, and I'll explain that a little bit. And then those who thought he was espousing foreign deities. Uh, to some, seem to be a setter forth of strange gods. Okay? Uh, there's not much religious persecution in Japan. I get that all the time. Are you person? No, we, don't per- have, we can do anything we want. Nobody uh, opposes us to anything. Because they don't really... They're not really serious about what they purport to believe. You know, they, it's like, whatever. And so mostly the attitude is, you know, I'm a Buddhist or Shintoist in, in, in name. And they think, you know, you're a Christian. And they think in name, you know, it's just your religion, what you call yourself. You know, that doesn't really matter. Let's just have a good time. And so they're not serious about their religion. They used to be in the past, but not, not anymore. So except maybe before there's a, cult, a group called the Sokogakai, which uh, most Japanese even consider a cult. Uh, no Japanese would ever fight you. You know, it's not like the Middle East. <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll kill you over there. But in Japan, they go, whatever. You're a Christian. I don't care. You know, and so. Uh, but we witnessed those kind of people also. And then he witnessed those that were curious. And to some, took him to the broad of the Areopagus, saying, "May we know what this doctrine, wherever thou speakest, is." Uh, it's been difficult, and not many, you know, want to listen. But 
we try to uh, engender curiosity about the truth and about God and the truth. Uh, it's very difficult to make apathetic people curious, okay? But we try. Uh, I wrote this track one time called Kamite, and, and I think I named it in English, uh, The God Test. And I said, you know, surely not all gods, uh, all are gods who are said to be gods. Is there a way you can tell if it's a true God? And so in the track I said, uh, if that God was made by man, there's a greater than that God. If that God had a beginning, if that God has limited power, if that God is limited to a place, if that God's knowledge is limited, then that's not the true God. And, of course, all their idols qualify for that. Uh, none of them you know, meet those qualifications. And so I go on to say there's only one true God who is uncreated, sovereign, eternal, uh, omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. And we can know that God because he's revealed himself to us in his world and in his word and in his wisdom. As uh, Psalm 19 says, one of the biggest problems in reaching the Japanese people is that the Japanese culture is more emotional than logical. And you might be surprised to hear that. Uh, And I'm not saying they express their feelings freely because they don't. Uh, And I'm not saying they're not logical because they are. But uh, how something makes one feel to them is more important than objective truth. So if worshiping a statue makes you feel religious... That's more important than any objective truth about the God you purport to worship. Uh, If telling a lie avoids embarrassing yourself or others around you, then you should tell a lie. Uh, If saying something you don't mean engenders good feeling, then dishonest statements are a good thing to them. Uh, For example, if two acquaintances meet on the road and they're talking, a typical conversation might end with, come visit me, and both will say, oh, I will, I will. Which they neither of them mean it, you know. If you showed up at that house, they'd say, what are you doing here? You know, well, you told me to come. Well, I didn't mean that. Nobody means that when they say it. But that's a formal, uh, formality they say. Uh, and so, but they say it just to make you feel, come visit me. Oh, I will, you know. And, and it feels good and it sounds good. But, you know, none of them, you know, the, when he says, I will go, he's not planning on going to visit you. And when you say, come visit me, you're not planning on going to come. So it's just how, how it makes you feel is more important than the, the facts about the thing. And so it makes it difficult to witness to somebody in that way. And then finally, uh, Paul witnessed in social media. I think the Greek was, oh, it didn't come out right. <laughs> I had TikTok right there written in Greek. But, <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, that's what that verse sounds like. It says, uh, for all the Athenians and strangers which were uh, there spent their time in nothing else but to either tell or to hear some new thing. I mean, it sounds like YouTube or TikTok to me. But uh, I don't know, Paul didn't have actually the social media. But we do. We use the social media. We have web pages with our ministry and things like that. But we want to develop that a little bit more when we get back. A couple of prayer requests in closing. Um, pray for a national pastor. You know, we're a missionary. We're church planting missionaries. So our, go- our job is to go into ch- plant a church, get it established, turn it over to a national, and then go to another place and plant another church. And we have a goal of doing that with, you know, in Nagoya. Our, our city has 16 wards, and we'd like to plant a church in uh, several different wards. Um, but it's very difficult because there's no national pastors to turn the work over to. And so we, uh, the, the Bible school that we're associated with has like five students right now, and I think three of them are women. Or, and, so, and they have very, very few uh, people who are studying to be pastors. Uh, we have another church in, in, uh, in our city. It's a good Baptist church, and uh, it, doesn't, it has been without a pastor for years. And so pray for a national pastor to come along that we can work with, that we can train and, and turn over to the ministry to. Uh, pray for a building fund. Uh, the building that the church has been renting for the last 30-something years they don't own, so we want to try to get them a building so they can own it and have an established ministry there. 
And then pray for new ministry location. We're trying, again, we're trying to plant different ministries throughout our city. And so pray for that ministry location. Uh, pray for new outreach opportunities. Uh, we're constantly trying to do something to reach people. And then pray for our literature ministry that we can continue to write tracts. I write tracts or, you know, translate tracts and things and, and print them in Japanese. And then I'll open that up. I'll give any missionary who wants it the file. Uh, I had several missionaries uh, from China and things like that. The last track I wrote, um, and they said, oh, I like this. Can I use it? And translate it in Chinese. I said, yeah, fine. And then our, our missionary to um, uh, Bangladesh contacted me. I like that. Can I translate in the Bengali? And I said, fine, do it. You know, so we, we, we want to just get the gospel out. We're not copyrighted or anything like that. So I pray for our literature ministry. Uh, we'll try to be back here at, in our table a uh, little bit after the service. If any questions or anything, please stop by and see us. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate that. We're grateful to have you and Kim with us today. And uh, we're grateful for the opportunity to partner with you guys in ministry. We pray for you regularly, and we're happy to give towards the Lord's work there through you. I just want to remind the church today that recently you've done a really great job with this. But just remember, when we have missionary guests with us, we like to send them away with a generous love offering. And uh, you can do that at the box in the back, or you can do that online. And let's encourage the Meltons today. Um, in their ministry with their visit with us this morning. Grateful to have you here today. Let's pray and ask God to bless our time together. Father, we're, we're so uh, thankful that we can gather in Jesus' name. And it's in his name that we pray this morning for your blessing and uh, for your help as we seek to uh, worship you and think bigger thoughts about you and spend time in your word and, and try to encourage and edify one another this morning. Please help us to do that and help us to respond humbly to your truth help us to pray better for our missionaries help us to own our own responsibility to share the gospel in our community and with our circle of influence please meet with us today and glorify yourself in us we pray in jesus name amen as we think through our theme for today emphasizing in psalm 50 the fact that god is in and over all he owns everything we're going to sing some songs this morning that emphasize he is the creator and he has everything in his hands. Let's stand together as we worship him this morning. Bow the knee. What a privilege to come into his presence Just to linger with the one who set me free as I lift my eyes to see his awesome glory, I remember who he is and bow the knee. Bow the knee, bow the knee. He is king of all the ages, bow the knee. God high and lifted up and bow the knee kneel before him all adore him as you live to love him more bow the knee in his hands he holds the power of creation with his voice he spoke and all things came to be that he hears each simple prayer I bring thee. 
creator of everything. And how should we come before the creator of everything? Humble. Recognizing him as the creator, as sovereign God, and worshiping him as such. Let's continue singing this morning, worthy of our worship.
you for that, Samuel. I invite you to take your Bibles to Psalm number 50 today. Psalm number 50. Our topic today, our characteristic of God, is that he owns everything. And I don't know if you've thought much about this before, but that has some pretty serious implications for us humans. I'm commanded to give God some things, but maybe you've asked this question before about a wealthy relative at Christmas. What do you give somebody who's got everything? And if God is the owner of everything, how do I obey that command to give him some things? It has some really powerful implications and applications for us, his people. Let's read some of this passage together. It's Psalm number 50. Listen to what the word of God says. The mighty God, even the Lord, has spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof out of Zion, the perfection of beauty. God has shined. Our God shall come and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him and it shall be very tempestuous round about him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together unto me. Those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice and the heavens shall declare his righteousness for God is judge himself. Selah. Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against thee. I am God, even thy God. I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifices or thy burnt offerings to have been continually before me. I will take no bullock out of thy house, nor he goats out of thy folds, for every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine, and the fullness thereof. Will I eat the flesh of bulls, or drink the blood of goats? Offer unto God thanksgiving. And pay thy vows unto the Most High, and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Father, please help us as we come to your word today to understand it, to heed it, to obey it, and to glorify you better as we think about this truth that you indeed are the owner of everything. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if you remember talking extensively about the exchange Bible study. This is the First step in our discipleship process here at First Baptist Church, we encourage everybody to go through this Bible study. The premise of the exchange is that God wants to make with you an exchange. He wants to take your sin and put it on Jesus on the cross and give you Jesus' righteousness. It's really summed up in that verse, 2 Corinthians 5.21, for he hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Here's the exchange God wants to make with every human being. Let me take your sin and assign it to Jesus, and let me take Jesus' righteousness and assign it to you. That is the offer of the gospel. That is the offer of salvation. Without Jesus' righteousness, you cannot be in God's presence. You can't even pray, let alone have an eternal relationship with him face-to-face in heaven. That is only possible through Jesus Christ. This is the great exchange of the gospel. Unfortunately, most humans would prefer to negotiate a different exchange with God. And it sounds something like this. If I do certain things for you, God, then you do certain things for me. This is an ancient fallacy and a pagan idea. And Tim actually shared just a little bit about this kind of thinking in Japan. Spiritism says that the gods must be fed 
or they must be satisfied or they must be appeased with incense or food or sacrifice. The Greek gods actually needed entrails to eat. Today, earth worshipers give protection to the earth so that the earth will respond kindly to them. Right? There's all kinds of ways that you can apply this pagan philosophy. And the idea is that if I do things for my God, quote unquote, that that God will reward me. If I appease my deity, then good things will happen. It's not about a relationship of responsive love. This is about quid pro quo, earned favor. There's no need to thank the God, this is the deal I have with the God. I do certain things and he does certain things. Asaph in this psalm pushes back firmly on this thinking. And his premise is this, I give to God, but I give to God because of what he has done for me. I don't earn something for me by giving to God. I acknowledge him and his greatness and his ownership of everything. It's a really big difference And I want to see if we can parse it out just a little bit this morning in the brief time we have together. Starting in verse number three, I want to just show you that the Lord does have demands for his people. He has some demands. In fact, he says in verse three and four that he's coming back and he's coming to judge his people. Gather my saints, he says. Those that have made covenant with me by sacrifice. I believe this is talking about the second coming of the Lord. He's coming back to judge and he will judge everyone. He talks to the wicked in verses 16 through 22 in our passage. He talks to Israel specifically, but I think he's also talking to the church that he is coming back to judge the church. He's coming back to hold us accountable for our attitude of worship. This is really what this passage is all about. He says, those that are my people by covenantal sacrifice. Anyone whose relationship with God depends on covenant, on promise. Here's the covenant that we have with God. Here's the arrangement. I believe he saves. Nothing else has to be done. I believe and he saves. Nothing else has to be done. This is unconditional. Now, his relationship with Israel was slightly different than his relationship with the church. We do not replace Israel in God's plan, but in many ways we're similar to them. And and one of the ways is that our relationship with God is based on sacrifice. Theirs was based on a sacrificial system. Ours is based on Jesus. Hebrews chapter 7, for such an high priest became us who's holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens. This is a description of Jesus, who needeth not daily as the priest of the Old Testament to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sin, then for the people. But this he did once when he offered up himself. Jesus sealed the deal with his blood, and we are now God's people by covenant. Does that make sense? The relationship is established. I don't need to earn the relationship. It's a done deal through Jesus Christ. But just because my relationship with God is unconditionally set on the sacrifice of Jesus doesn't mean that there aren't some demands. It doesn't mean that there aren't some expectations. He's coming back to judge. So what is he looking for? Let me just show you, first of all, what his demands are are not. And that is point number two, the Lord does not need 
your stuff. I know that's a little bit of a crass way of saying it, but I mean, he doesn't need your belongings. He doesn't need your service. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your time. The Lord does not need that. And as I know that doesn't help our self-esteem this morning, but can I just tell you, God doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. He is the owner of everything. Look at verse number seven. He says, I am God, even thy God. I'm not here to reprove you for your sacrifices or your burnt offerings. Your gift giving is not your problem. It's your religious activity done with the wrong attitude that I have issue with. It's the attitude. Your activity is fine. You're obeying the law. You're bringing your animals. You're doing your sacrifices. Great. Like Johnny illustrated for us a couple of weeks ago, you're vacuuming the floors, but that is not plugged in. Like nothing is happening that has permanent value. I do not accept your attitude. And here's their attitude. Listen to this carefully because we share the same attitude at times. God needs me. And God does not need me. I need God. You see, that's a, that's a big difference. We tend to think sometimes that God needs me. But notice what he says. I don't need you. Every beast of the field the forest is mine, verse 10. The cattle on a thousand hills, verse 10. I know all the birds of the mountains, verse 11. I know all the wild beasts of the field, verse 11. The world is mine and the fullness thereof. God does not need you or your stuff. Did you know that God could do his work without this building? God could do his work without our vehicles. God could do his work without this staff. God could do his work without these resources. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need special tapestry. He doesn't need special silverware. He doesn't need special dress from his people. He doesn't need special decorations. He just doesn't need it. Acts chapter 17. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwells not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything. He gives to all life and breath and all things. Everything we've got is a gift from God. He does not need our stuff. I mean, it's as silly as if I'm riding my motorcycle in town and I stop at a stoplight and there's a kid on the bike path and he's got a little BMX bike. And he says, hey, mister, you want to trade? No. I don't need your bicycle, right? I've got the real deal. That's like offering a Hot Wheel to a guy with a Lamborghini. Like he's got everything he needs he doesn't need your hot wheel. And yet, sometimes we think that we've got something God needs. And isn't he lucky to have us? God says here in Psalm number 50, I reject that worship. And I'm coming to hold you accountable for it. People live this way today. I'm going to go to church because God needs me there. I'm going to give because God needs my money. I'm going to witness because God needs me to. The reality is God does not need you. He does not need your religious activity. You need God. And this is the key. It's a central key to this psalm because in just a little bit, he's going to say, now give God something. And we say, well, wait, wait, wait. If God doesn't need me, why do I need to give God something? And it comes all back to our attitude I can't give him anything he needs. So what does he want from me? This is number three. The Lord wants something else from his people. It's not your stuff. It's some attitudes. And these attitudes involve sacrificial giving, remarkably. 
Here's the first one, thanksgiving, offer unto, the God, offer unto God, verse 14, thanksgiving. Do you realize how crucial thanksgiving is in our relationship? In fact, if you just go through your Bible and use your electronic Bible and search thanks, thankfulness, thankful, thanksgiving, giving of thanks, you search all of those phrases, you're literally going to have hundreds of verses and many of them commands that God demands gratefulness and thanksgiving of his people here's what gratefulness says here's what thankfulness says you god have given to me you're not looking to me to give you anything you have given everything to me it's a humble attitude the heathen in romans chapter one totally forgot this and i think this is important to remind ourselves of when paul is describing the worst of the worst people that have been turned over to a reprobate mind he says in romans chapter one verse 25 21 they knew god but they glorified him not as god neither were thankful it was the one symptom that made it obvious that they had rejected their creator was a lack of gratitude Psalm 107, verse 21, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men and let them sacrifice the sacrifice of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Have you ever known somebody who served faithfully in their church, but they were looking for someone to thank them for what they did or for what they gave or for what they managed. It was all about, hey, somebody should say thanks to me. This is such a thankless ministry. I can't believe no one says thank you. And God says, hold on a second. Hold on a second. I own everything. You should be thanking me for the opportunity to serve. You should be thanking me for the opportunity to give. You should be thanking me for a church in which you can participate. You should be thanking me, God says. This is his first demand. If you claim to be one of mine by covenant, God says, don't try to prove our relationship with your religious activity. Prove it with your gratitude. Number two, faithfulness. Pay your vows under the most high. What does it mean to pay your vows? Well, it means to come through on your end of the deal. What's your end of the deal? Well, Jesus summarized it in Luke chapter 6 where he said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why do you call me Master? Why do you call me Boss? And do not the things which I say. If I am your Master, if I am your Lord, you will obey. Uh, Samuel said to King Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 15, Does the Lord have as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Ecclesiastes 12, 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. God wants your thankfulness for what he has done. God wants your faithful obedience to what he commands. Do you see what Asaph is doing in the psalm? He's saying, get your eyes off of you and get your eyes on the great God who owns everything. So grateful for what he gives. I'm listening to what he commands number three i depend on him when i'm in trouble and call upon me he says in verse 15 in the day of trouble i will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me have you ever thought about this truth that god is never in trouble god is never in trouble but we are often in trouble right and when we are where do we turn panic credit doctors science politics 
or God. Call upon me, he says, me. He alone can deliver. He alone should get the glory when he does deliver. What does God want from us if he already owns everything? He wants us to thank him. He wants us to be faithful to him. He wants us to depend on him. Number four, he wants us to offer praise to him. Praise. We've talked about praise. Praise is applauding the greatness of God, the character of God. When we do this, he gets glory. The author of Hebrews said, by him, by Jesus, therefore, let us offer the sacrifices of praise to God continually. Just always saying, what a great God. This is, by the way, the whole theme for our year. This is the theme of these messages as we consider albums of worship is to think bigger thoughts about God. Our application every week, in case you've missed it, application number one, think bigger thoughts about God. He's great. We think so small about our God. Praise him for who he is. Fifthly, right living. What does God want from me? He wants right living so that I can show his salvation to the world around me. Micah chapter 6 verse 8. He has showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. This is why Paul said in Romans chapter 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a what? Living sacrifice that is holy and acceptable unto God. And don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We were talking about this a little bit in Parenting Sunday School this morning. It's so easy for us to start thinking like the world and not even realize it. And we need our mind to be renewed with big T truth. We need to come back to the gospel. We need to come back to the word of God and say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? Right living that demonstrates his salvation. Think about these things. Who is the focus of these applications? God wants your thankfulness for what he has done. God wants your faithful obedience to what he commands. He wants you to depend on him for deliverance. He wants you to praise him for his attributes. He wants his people to live lives that reflect his salvation. It's all about him. That is Asaph's point. It's all about God, the God who owns everything. So what do we do with it? Well, number one, think bigger thoughts about God. That's the point of the series, as I mentioned. Applaud his greatness. Lift up his glory. Here's a big thought about God. You ready for it? He owns everything. Everything. Mari and I were taking a ride the other day, and we were just driving through some subs and practicing our control of our covetousness. You know what I'm saying? Like, look at that big house. I think that one's got a pool. Wow. Does anybody need a six-car garage? You know, we're asking these questions. But we're driving through these subs. Scott, am I right? There are so many subdivisions of beautiful homes. Like, it blew my mind. Like, we were, we were driving down, I think, like, 10-mile road. And I didn't even realize, like, on both sides of the road, like, wow, there's a big one. There's a big sub. There's a big sub. Hundreds of homes. And presumably million-dollar homes are thereabouts. So I started doing the math. Like, wow, just in our county, like, there's, like, a gazillion dollars worth of homes or something uh, thereabouts, right? I mean, it's just unbelievable. What did, what did you say Japan would say? Eight million. Eight million. It's uncountable. It's too big. Like how much wealth is there in the world? I was reading a little bit last night. They were talking about like liquid currency in the world and the number of trillions of dollars that are just flowing among people. 
But here's the deal, everybody. God owns it all. He owns everything. Mankind is just borrowing those resources from Almighty God. So think bigger thoughts about God. Number two, give generously with a right attitude. You might say, okay, hold on a second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought you said God owns everything. So if he owns everything and he doesn't need my stuff, then maybe I can just hoard my stuff. That sounds like it's logical. That makes sense. I mean, he can speak a universe into existence. Why would he need my 10%? He can just... God can literally print more money, right? I mean, he just unlimited resource. Why should I bring it back to him? Now, every Sunday morning, you hear in our announcement video this phrase. Maybe we should mix it up a little bit to wake some of us up. It says this, giving is just one of the ways that we, anybody know what the next word is? Worship. Giving is just one of the ways that we worship. So, so here's, here's what God's people do. God's people says, God, I know you own everything. You don't need this, but wow, you've been so good to me. Like if you could use this to advance the kingdom of Jesus and his priorities, would you take it and use it? What a privilege to be able to partner with you and to share in the blessing of ministry. If my church is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to its community and around the world, I want a piece of that. I want to give cheerfully, not grudgingly, like Paul says in 2 Corinthians. I want to give out of worship. The author of Hebrews says in chapter 13, but to do good and to communicate or give or share might be a better word. Don't forget this. For with these sacrifices, God is well pleased. Don't forget to share out of love. I had, yesterday, I had a good food day. Anybody ever have a good food day? Just like all the way through, just nailed it with food? Okay, yeah, so yesterday, not because of myself, but because of my sweet wife, I had a great food day. And, and we topped it off last night with a wonderful meal. Come on, guys, I know what you're talking, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? So like one of those meals that just hits all the bases, right? So we had these organic, that, that does not sound good, but hang with me, okay? These organic grass-fed pork brats from a local farm that were just like to die for with sweet corn, which is my love language, being born in Iowa, and some fresh vegetables, which I choked down, but, you know, um, they were good. And then the salad, which the salad was perfect. It just had all the things on it that you want on a salad, right? It was just one of those perfect food moments. Now, let me just ask you a question. Like, why do you think... Mari would go to all the work to give me those things. Do you think she was hoping that we could have a relationship? Or do you think maybe she was appeasing my anger? <laughs> she wasn't. Okay. In case you start worrying. It's because we have a relationship. Do you understand the difference? Like in your marriage, you, you experience the same thing, right? So husbands, you don't, bring home a bunch of flowers to your wife and say, I hope we can have a relationship. You bring home flowers to your wife and you say, because, because I love you, because we have a relationship. You see the difference? And there's great joy in that kind of giving. This is what we do with the Lord. We say, Lord, I love you and I know you don't need this, but 
I just want to demonstrate tangibly my love for you. And so I give sacrificially, not because you're depending on it, but because I'm committed to you and we have this relationship. And so cheerfully and gratefully, I give in response to you. And then thirdly, bring the right sacrifices to God. And the word that the author of Hebrews says is continually. Give the right sacrifices to God continually. Aren't you really glad? Like, I'm so glad we don't have to kill an animal this morning. Are you with me? That would just get messy and gross and tiresome. I mean, frankly, every week, we're killing him again, right? Here he comes bellowing down the aisle, you know. That would just get really tiresome. I'm so grateful that our high priest, think about this in Hebrews, sacrificed himself for us. Our high priest sacrificed himself for us, and it's a permanent payment for sin. It never has to be repeated. I am so grateful for that. So when I come, what sacrifice can I bring? Think about how easy in one way these are to bring, but how difficult it is for us to do it continually, to bring the sacrifice of thanksgiving, to bring my faithfulness, my dependence, my praise, and my right living. It is the attitude of responsive worship that God is after, not the activity of religious ritual. It's just what we do. Like our brother shared with us this morning, may we not have that attitude about the things that we do together. We say that we are seeking to advance the priorities of Jesus, but sometimes it just becomes empty exercise. May it never be that way habitually for us. May God correct that thinking and cause us to have responsive worship for all that he is. As the team comes to close us in a great hymn, How Great Thou Art, let's pray together and just think about his greatness this morning. Father, we ask today that you would accept our offering of thanksgiving and accept our offering of faithfulness and dependence on you and praise for your character and right living. Father, we give these things back to you as the only reasonable response to the God who owns everything, does everything, offers us in Jesus everything, and needs nothing. It is in your Son's amazing name we pray these things. Amen. Let's stand together as we close our service, singing another great anthem, How Great Thou Art. Yeah.
this video of one of our recent services. It's a pleasure for us to have you join us from a distance and join our church in a time of worship around the Word of God. The most important message that we can tell you is that God loves you. And He loves you so much that He gave Jesus Christ as payment for your sins. And the Bible says that all that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. We want you to know that message that true life is found in Jesus Christ and eternal life the opportunity to live with God forever in heaven in spite of our sinfulness. True life is only found in Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Would you be willing to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Would you be willing to pray something like this? Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I know there's nothing I can do about my sinfulness. I don't want to pay for my own sin and I want to put my faith in Jesus. I want His death on the cross to pay for my sins. I want to repent from doing things my own way and make Jesus Lord of my life. Would you be willing to pray something like that and put your faith in Jesus Christ? If so, we want to help you as you start your spiritual journey with Jesus Christ. God loves you. Our church loves you. We're glad that you could watch this message today. God bless.